You know my face. You've seen this face. Garrett Atkins joins us again for another episode here of the Superhero Academy podcast. First of all, thank you for fucking coming back to Montreal. I'm always excited when you're in town. I always got to come back. Montreal is a special place in my heart. <laughs> I've already had my poutine. I've had my chocolate swirl. Uh, <laughs> you got that all fixed. the all the goodies, all the all the sweets, all the treats. Mm-hmm. I love Montreal. I will say it yeah. very often. I'm a, a huge fan of the city. I could talk about it again and again and again. But it is good to be back for my first 2020 trip. Yeah. Back into the city, back into Montreal, back in the story tour. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome back. I mean, uh, the world is a, is a little, it's, a, it's an intense place, as always, as always. But right now, um, what I'm really happy about is that there is no confirmed case of a super disease, like the coronavirus going around. Um, what do you think the likelihood is of a massive pandemic outbreaking right now there's apparently something i saw i haven't i didn't dive into this at all uh, a ton now to be honest i'm not really worried at this point but i heard that there, there was apparently the potential of ninety thousand cases because of some whistleblower that said that like in wuhan they're suppressing the numbers what do you how do you feel about that how do you feel about what's going down in the global pandemic side of the world, right now. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's terrible first and foremost. I mean, I think that with the, the age of information, how fast it spreads, we're kind of like, we, we see a lot of things very quick and tragic that happens all around the world that typically we wouldn't see if we didn't have that fast information. But this is kind of an exception because it, it is more of a larger scale and it is getting more, more information. So we do become kind of desensitized whenever something like this is breaking out because we hear about terrible things happening all the time and that doesn't do that doesn't kind of suppress the seriousness of the nature when it comes to this virus spreading Mm -hmm. so i don't know i mean i do have faith uh in in science and in people (laughs) and in nature Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't like discount the craziness that this is like this is having on so many different people millions and millions of people i think it's like 11 cities were quarantined or maybe i'm wrong but i know cities are actually quarantined i think it's like up to 26 million people are quarantined yeah yeah you're talking about this and like the only roads coming in and out are like highly scanned just for supplies and like a city in in china is not just like a regular small town and oh for sure West virginia like it's like 11 million people yeah yeah you've (laughs) never heard of wuhan before this story and you didn't know that they had like as many people as new york city yeah probably even more so i mean it's it's really interesting to see all of that playing out and and like what that could cause and i know that sars was i think 2003 something like that yeah. something like that and i wasn't like too conscious of what was happening on a global scale so this is kind of like what they're comparing it to essentially mm. mm-hmm. yeah i i i am i'm there's it's there's shocking the the imagery and and you, we were just talking about karmagawa having their 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 nonprofit on instagram you can go check them out but they have these these kind of videos showing people eating bat soup and that yep. they think that it's coming from these live animal essentially um uh markets i guess whether yeah. it be bat soup i even saw like they had like it looked like sedated mice and stuff there's some weird there's some well, weird shit i'm gonna yeah. say that yeah i mean they they've they confirm that they track it down to this exotic food market where they do sell bat stews and like these like um yeah it's like mice and stuff like that that people are eating essentially they're alive which is kind of crazy and really messed up in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um so yeah they have tracked it back to there and i think that some people are saying it is the bat soup and then the, what karma Ga was was uh, doing which is an interesting page to follow it is kind of hard to stomach a lot of the content that they do put out there because it does show a lot of different different cases like this where it's like oh it's 
pretty pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's something started by Timothy Sykes, which is a guy on, on online as well. But they're kind of just I think they were just referencing like what the actual state of that market is in general. Yeah. And how kind of like the like what what the conditions are and like what the reality of the the the, the exotic consumption of these animals and probably like the pictures of like it's not the most I don't think it's sanitary to eat like a live mice at Shock any warning for sure. point, but they uh, that's what they're kind of showing and, and pointing it back to. Mm-hmm. Is it potentially the bat stew, soup, but confirm that it does trace back to this market, which is kind of incredible in and of itself that they're able to track something down that fast. Just the power of like science investigation. And I am incredibly impressed yeah, with China it, right they, now. They figure it out. I'm incredibly impressed because one of the things that my brother actually alluded to, he was like, they're going to build a hospital in six days. And I was like, no way. And then I Google it, and turns out they're building two hospitals in, like, 10 days. So it's, like, legitimately, you, I saw video of cranes, just, like, like 50 of them, just, or, or they weren't cranes, but they were, like, those um, uh, excavation kind of uh, tractors or whatever, going at it, just, like, clearing this entire site, ready to build a hospital. It's just going to go up in minutes, like, I don't know, 3D printed style. They're just going to bring in a million Chinese people to just make it happen. It's wild how fast they were able to respond. Because if this was going down in America, there's no way we're responding this quickly. There's, there's just I can't imagine that we are that prepared. Yeah, I mean, the how do you delegate so many like <laughs> different pieces to that? I mean, that seems like just like a, a management, mm-hmm. just just Shit mastery <laughs> of like how to like delegate and how to like move and how to like even just give not only not alone like do the work, but even to know what the work is to be done and give it out in such a fast manner. So. Mobilize. I don't know how they do it. I mean, they, yeah, they're extremely efficient when it comes to building. Well, I was telling you this yesterday. I believe that if there's one career move that we can make from a longer-term perspective, beyond obviously going to China at this very moment, um, would be to visit China yeah. and understand their culture and understand, like, man, when I visited in 2010, I remember being in between two unknown cities on a train, and then, like, hours into it, I see just cranes – Probably like 30, 40 cranes, all putting skyrise buildings up within what would be a few weeks, if not a few months tops, building an entire village of an entire city uh, in just record speed. And the amount of catering that even um, professional sports does to China um, is becoming such a massive topic. And the Chinese market from a, from a movie-going market is the biggest market in the world from a consumption market, from a growing middle class market. I mean, it's it's the most relevant growth of business we've seen in our entire lifestyle lifetime. And even here, when I think about real estate, we think about like, oh, Chinese people are buying everything. Farmland, farmland pricing in, in, in even near Valhalla in Montreal is going up because Chinese people are buying farmland uh, across the country. So it's just such a massive I don't know. There's such a gravity to the way that China operates, um, and it's so effective and efficient, and it's just – it's really re- amazing where, where they've come from on, on all of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the relationship that the kind of two powerhouses in the global scheme are at when it comes to the United States specifically and China are kind of like neck and neck with, with leadership, and who knows who's kind of like leading the force on that, and um, it's arguable. But what the interesting part between that relationship is that – China and, and the in 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 the West 
is kind of like either a B2B, like major deals are going down, like banking deals. You have people come doing major real estate deals, or it's kind of like the lowest B2C that can be done, mm-hmm. where it's like these micro um, low cost products that are sent across. Oh, uh, and like that, it's that, that Alibaba Express is, style. Yeah, which yeah. is still kind of like bigger B2B businesses in a way, but. When it comes to an actual a cultural exchange and like a B two C and like a and like a, yeah culture to culture exchange, it's still very untapped. I mean, basically oh, they have totally. their own social media networks that with Google, Facebook, all these are blocked over there. Uh, and we were we were talking about this yesterday, and that kind of like opened up my eyes to the idea that yeah, when that does, whenever there is a, a power shift or whenever the, the the floodgates are lowered a little bit, and we do have more of a direct communication and direct cultural splash mm-hmm. the waves hitting each other it will be interesting to see how they how the globalization between those two because there is a yeah. there, there is a barrier that is set in place between um government and, and right now that's not letting that that globalization fully take place in a more of a free um holistic way so whenever mm-hmm. somebody does open it up or whenever we do get more lax when it comes to our trade agreements or um, whatever that looks like, it's going to be interesting to see how those merge and also who are the leaders on a entrepreneurial business, uh, influential uh, idea level that are able to tap into the that market. billion plus people that are that make up China. Yeah, I, I you know, there's there in the modern world, it's they have the, the, the great firewall of China. Right, that is their new great wall, and <laughs> and there really is just a divide. I like I, I can't tell you I couldn't name a single Chinese superstar, and I'm not saying Chinese meaning in America Chinese like a, like a you know famous basketball player, which rest in peace Kobe Bryant. We'll get to that, but the idea of I can't think I can't name you a movie star that's Chinese that's in China like you know grow up grew up in Beijing and is and is massive over there. I can't name you all the names of all their biggest companies in in those ways. And to think that all of those people have not started doing marketing like for example Facebook ad money. Imagine how much money they would start to pour into getting our attention for their companies. Not and not, I'm not even talking about like Chinese goods where there's lots of Americans doing drop shipping businesses, FOB, Amazon style businesses or whatever it is, where they source from China, but it's still being marketed by like a dude in, in, I don't know, in New York or whatever it is. It's the, what happens when there's a guy in China who's looking to you and saying, I want to scale my, my presence online. I want to be an influencer, but in the American market, but I'm a Chinese billionaire. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's going to happen. I know that that's going to happen. And I think that that's going to happen in more and more of a media landscape that is actually saturating, but now there's like the new wave. And and I was talking about, um, well, I was talking about like TV on demand or connected TV, right? How Fire Stick, Roku, um, Apple TV are all going to pass normal TV, normal cable satellite television type um, connections in 2020. And I believe that that market is a, is a stronger market for advertising and a stronger market for the world of marketing than anyone I know is talking about yet. So there's very little discussion about China as a market coming into America, and there's very little discussion about connected TV, because right now everyone's like, how do I do Facebook ads and how do I do whatever? And so, um, yeah, it's always interesting to look forward into the trends of, of what is to come. But I'll, I'll say this much. Definitely going to China, 
and I would love to go with you. And definitely going to learn Mandarin uh, and, or Cantonese. I don't know. I haven't decided. I think Mandarin is probably the way to go uh, in the next decade because even, even if it's just to like say a couple of words and impress them and then have like a translator from there, I really believe that there's just, it's just a market we can't ignore. Yeah. I mean, doing that, that even that little effort and beyond of like trying to integrate into the culture in some level and that, that, that curiosity and that capacity definitely goes a long way with anybody who is trying to like go forward. And I think that that's even more than trying to tap into a different culture, but also just like how you show up in, in life in some way. Totally. It's like, are you, are you like trying to like integrate? Are you trying to like be curious? Or are you trying to like go that extra effort? Yeah. Uh, is a good way to do it. And I think that like just even the mindset and the, the awareness of like, okay, how can I, um, how can I expand? How can I learn? How can like I, I integrate? How can I um, open up communication? Mm-hmm. Is the is like the mindset of somebody who will succeed. So mm-hmm. I think there's something interesting about that in and of itself. Is like okay, we see where the trend is going. I see there's something that I'm interested in, and then like how can I integrate? It? How can I add it into my 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 conversation in some way? Yep. I'll call you back later. Okay. Okay. Bye. Um, yeah, and then the the Roku thing in terms of. Um, the TV stuff, it's interesting because we had this conversation like I got in yesterday and or the day before yesterday. Yeah. And right when I walked in, I, I checked my Airbnb, looked on the TV, and then the, the Airbnb host had left the, the Roku. And I guess this is more like outside of the States where we have Amazon uh, Fire Stick and we have the, the Apple TV. So it's the first mm-hmm. time I've seen it. But that's travel in a sense and getting out of your own comfort zone. I go somewhere like at least like one week every month and try to travel around and do different things. And not only to like network, see people, have a good time, kind of get out of my comfort zone, but also just to see like what's actually happening outside of my small little bubble of where I'm set up at the time. So right now I'm back in West Virginia, growing, growing the business, um, spending a lot of time with my brother, growing, growing that relationship a lot as well. When it comes to professional side, we're obviously like best friends through and through. Mm-hmm. So that that inter interpersonal relationships already great. But coming here back to the point of like traveling, get out of the comfort zone is whenever I come to a place in the Airbnb and I see that that's on the TV auto playing and they have now this playing, which I know is like this big Facebook competitor and mm-hmm. amazing content creator on that front. And I'm like, Oh, they actually have a streaming service on this. And it goes so much deeper than even my own world. Whenever I'm on an airplane and I talk about this a couple of times, whenever <laughs> I see people land, I never actually turn my turn off my airplane mode right when it goes, I kind of look around and, to see what people I, check I first. I see what people check first, not in like a creepy way or look at like maybe I am looking at her shoulder, but I'm just curious on like what like what are the first places people go to yeah. and actually getting a a sense of like how they're how they're managing this relationship with their online presence because specifically myself and Mark have a deep history and deep understanding when it comes to social media and content that moves and like we're able to grab statistics and grab analytics of millions of people easily. If we like put effort into it, we can have a piece of content, reach a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to have this dissonance to who's actually being affected and who's actually consuming that content on the other side. And, so and it, what's really happening on the other side. It's yeah. less about the substance of the content. It's like y- when you're looking over somebody's shoulder, it's less about like, oh, what's that person writing to their mom or whatever. It's more about like, oh, what app did they open first? How yeah. did they cycle through? Like what did they go to like Instagram, Facebook, you know, YouTube, or did they, like, see do Jay, something else? You see Jay Shetty scroll across the screen. You see, like, our friends at Intelligence Sexy scroll across the screen. You see, yeah. they, like, people that we've we've collaborated with, like, VaynerMedia, across them across the screen. And, yeah. like, you see all this stuff, these interactions and stuff happening. It's just very interesting to me 
to put that to. And it's the same whenever I go to um, some of my friends from specifically like high school and that I've grown up with and I'll go to some of their Facebook pages or whatever it is and I see them sharing these different pieces of content and it just makes it more real about how the content that we're a part of or the content and how the culture moves mm-hmm. when I'm able to not only see it from the bird's eye view but to see it from a very tangible, oh, this is my friend from university sharing that and that resonated with him or her in this way. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty impressed by how deep the silos are and how separate they can be sometimes. Like the number of times that I've been like, oh, like Gary V. And they're like, who's Gary V? Yeah. And I'm like, my God. Like, you know what I mean? Like hey, for me, it's like he's legit all everywhere on yeah, every yeah. device all the time um, and every platform. And yet some people just have zero awareness of that. And there are definitely topics that are more mainstream topics, but I love to I love to go all the way from the macro, which is like okay, where where's the ball going? Where's the puck going? If I want to use a hockey reference, for, which for me, you know, China is an obvious thing, and I know that it sounds late, but not really. I don't I don't think that that cultural divide from a social media perspective, marketing perspective, is at all crossed at all. Um, and at the same time, connected TV is still massive, and the CPMs and the opportunities for getting eyeballs there and the depth of eyeballs, meaning the, when I say the depth of eyeballs, what I mean by that is the, uh, the deepness, the deep, the depth of attention is higher on a, on a TV with a little remote than it is on a cell phone where you're constantly scrolling and you're getting notifications and app switching a lot. On a TV, you app switch a lot less. So you're more likely to see the ad or to consume that content um, in a way that you wouldn't on a phone or that you would very quickly get out of uh, on another device. So that balance between looking at those macro trends and then like right before a podcast being like, hey, what's trending right now in Google Trends? What can we talk about? There, there's, like, there's a reason why we started talking about the coronavirus. Beyond the fact that I think it's actually naturally interesting, we are also understanding that if this is in the cultural narrative and we make a little video on YouTube right now about that, that that goes viral or that has more legs. It is more likely to get picked up Add a good headline, add a good thumbnail, put some good hashtags. You've got the right recipe or you've got the potential for rocket. Right. And that's, it's just a game of that volume. Um, doesn't that weird though? Because I, I, for me, legit, Second thought I had after I heard that Kobe Bryant died. First thought was fake news. First thought. Second thought was, oh, I can imagine the amount of memes that are going to be made of Kobe Bryant right now. And then the third thought was, oh, that's pretty sad. And if I'm really honest about that, the first thing I thought was, it's probably fake. Second thing is, it's just how I knew people would use this. And you know, many everyday people were just sharing a meme and what Kobe meant to them and whatever it is. But the real, like, power users of content creation, uh, the goal cast of the world, for example, I know came out with a uh, Kobe video today. And I know they, and I knew they would. Because it's just, there's such a powerful wave of attention and it's impossible to ignore what that wave is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, super sad with Kobe. That's, uh, yeah, I'd been, like, seeing a couple of stuff on on the TV whenever I was passing through the airports and like I was on a hurry and I was going this place or that place. And I figured for some reason, I thought that he might have like come out of retirement to play with LeBron. And I had these like different ideas and <laughs> then I'm sitting in right when I get off the airplane, I, I get off, jump on the bus, go right down to St. Henry. 
um, which is a local local spot here in Montreal, and go to this place called Atwater Market to pick up some of the best olive bread in the world. We talk about food very often in Montreal. Damn. It's very, very well known. And very here's, well somebody, known here's somebody speaking in front of me here, Kobe Bryant, but they're speaking in French, and I don't know French quite yet. Mm-hmm. And then my brother texts me about the news, like, hey, did you make it there safely? Uh, Kobe just passed away in a helicopter accident, and just want to make sure you're okay. And I was like, damn, that just, like, hit me. Mm. It, like, struck me. And then, like, this level of information and, like, sharing of it is something unlike that I've seen in a while when it comes to, like, global mourning over over somebody. Yeah. It's, it's so, so unexpected and so unreal and... um yeah, yeah it's, un- it's 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 pretty unparalleled. I think it's just the shock value of the way he died as well mm-hmm. is sad. I mean, I think there was some global outpour for people like Prince and David Bowie. There's a couple that I can think of. Or oh, uh, Robin Williams was a sad yeah. one. That was a big one too. I think. Yeah, um, and I guess, and that's also what the the age of when Robin Williams passed this has been uh, probably five or six years ago, six maybe like even more than that. Yeah. But now we're at a level of like social media where oh, I think it's even storm. more intensified. And if mm-hmm. you like the if you get like a deeper level like energetics of something like that, then like the energetics of a loss just amplifies yeah. even more yeah. on on a global scale because we're all putting out we're all like energy, we're all vibrations, pushing pushing stuff out there. Totally. And whenever we're like able to intensify it on a social front, uh, I think it becomes a little more more deeper mm-hmm. and like really just like pushes pushes those those manifestations and those those ideas and kind of shifts in a lot of ways. So. And that shows the shifts as well as the algorithm, right? Like, if I didn't Google anything about Kobe Bryant, the likelihood that I would see Kobe Bryant video, or, uh, videos on YouTube is low. But then the second I click on one and I watch, like, a part of one, then the top one, the next one, the next one, the next one, is all that, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, I'm a, seeing it's a matter of, like, even how much you slow down on something as well. So they know that... Exactly. That's that's what you're slowing down on because they can even even if you like it or not like it, then or search it or not search it, they can tell about how much time your eyes are looking at the screen, where your eyes are looking at on the screen. Yeah, have, whether you even clicked maps. it, if you just moved and didn't and hovered over it and yeah. watched it for a if second. If you held the story to actually read the full <laughs> meme, there's it goes so much deeper than even like a like when it comes to their algorithms and the AI that they have that are constantly learning from it. So it's even more incomprehensible than what we can as, as humans can understand and how to optimize the software there's yeah. ai that's like even when it comes to like tesla tesla and auto driving and um oh yeah AI the disruption Nap, said I, I was hearing it listening to a podcast the other day they were like they've spent they've done hundred thousand miles on the road they've done three billion miles in virtual reality and like it is the same thing you know if you if you think about it like yeah they're doing the real world experiences but what's stop it what's so what's different than if they're able to put the same simulation and training the algorithms and the ai of these vert these these automated, these auto driving trucks, mm-hmm. which is going to be specifically semi trucks, and then come to the consumer vehicles. Um, there's still somewhere in some corner, in some back corner of Google, there's a program that's running that's racking up millions and millions of miles every millisecond or something like that. That's learning and training. Ironically, it's coming to Montreal. Google announced an AI office yeah. in Montreal. It's a massive AI city in and of itself. Totally. Well, we we've been leaders in in I would say in design and production around um content and and video games and and just we have a ton of web development talent here and it's just a tech we've got a tech scene in montreal that nobody talks about or we do but i think globally we're not quite recognized for it fully yet um but montreal is changing montreal is like gaining real momentum it's whether it be chinese buyers coming in 
uh, or, or the tech scene. I don't know. There's just something going on in this town that I, I feel really excited about. Um, and it's been years that in the making, I think, because we saw the boom in Vancouver. We saw the boom in Toronto as from a Canadian perspective. Now Montreal is like just on fire right now. The, the market is, is just insane. I was seeing, um, I even read uh, something where they're expecting rent rates to go up five to 6% in Montreal uh, this year in 2020. Massive. That's a math. That's a big increase. You that's know very mean? big. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's all these. We're in a weird. We're in a weird world. There's a there's an acceleration of all of these things. Um, but I think Tesla is a uh, a great example of a company that is future pacing, right? Like they're worth more than Volkswagen now for the fact that they aren't just an automaking company. They are an AI company. They very. are a tech company that is going to find a way to monetize that your car can drive around and, and do Uber lifts for, for when you're not using it. They are going to monetize a, a, a way of actually having semi trucks driving on their own without doing those different things. They're going to find ways to innovate that we only would have dreamed of years ago. Yeah. And that's what happens if you have like somebody like Elon leading the, leading the charge and also like having such a fresh company in and of itself because it's hard for Ford and, yeah, like these different companies to even like catch up to it because there's just so much like bureaucracy when it comes to the conversations happening in the boardrooms where somebody like that can push it and the innovative talent and the people that come to a company like Tesla. Not that there aren't innovative people going to Ford in these places. There's a lot of people that are working at these different companies, but they're able to not worry so much about the bureaucracy. Like the old systems are like, okay, let's think Ford. You know what? You know what? We're not going to be like so um, secret about everything. Let's open source our technology. Whoa. Okay, that's a massive PR headline, which Tesla's massive when it comes to like. Um, yeah, they're open source like plugs. P- yeah, and well, stuff. when it comes to just like PR and in general, like okay, let me grab some more attention by breaking the indestructible glass on the truck to grab some more PR attention, which probably got them hundreds of millions of dollars of free press just because they're covering a story where Elon Musk is just kind of smiling in the corner 100%. of his mouth because he knows exactly what's happening. It's, a, it. it's almost like he can't fuck up because the more he fucks up, the more that he gets the press yeah, and the just, headlines, and he's take just a hit so of, good at it. Yeah, let me just take a hit of this 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 um, this joint from Joe Rogan. Oh man, the stocks fell a little bit. Oh well, look, yesterday <laughs> it's up a hundred thousand percent. Yeah, he's doing fine. Yeah, uh, he's doing he's doing more than fine. I mean, he's on pace to get the biggest payout a CEO has ever gotten. Yeah, given the the package that he made, which is that if Tesla is able to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if Tesla is able to sustain over a hundred billion dollars in market value in, in um, yeah in market value from their shares that he will get like I think of 55 million dollar or like he has the potential over years of getting 55 billion dollars payout but I think the first wave is like something like a hundred I can't remember exactly how much it is it was an insane amount of money insane yeah. amount of money and it's stocks but he can sell those stocks and it's a part of those stocks and make it a ton yeah if you think about it like what Whenever you're ha- able to have somebody that's brilliant when it comes to entrepreneurship business and also has a PR, just even has like a, an interesting personality, what that can actually do for a business. Obviously, you need to back it up. He's a brilliant businessman. He like he, He's a brilliant guy in general. I mean, he spends time reading thicker textbooks than probably oh, like, you know, like, like this. He's, he's actually doing the real work, but also he's very smart and he's a personality in and of itself. And what that could do, even with like Solar City, one of the the partner companies that Tesla acquired, which I think he helped fund through his mm-hmm. cousin, mm-hmm. 
it's like okay how do what ceo like what can the ceo of that company i don't think it's him can do to even raise more awareness to the solar solar panels or like how can you use that in your business to be a little more outrageous we were talking about pr and publicity stunts and how mm-hmm. um oh, i forgot his name is it's a documentary i think it's called supermension yep. um i wish i had the guy's name but he was like a pr specialist back in the day for a lot of musicians over the years like decades and one of his first clients was alice cooper and they were going to london i think it was uh, a city that they hadn't had too much traction and they were just making their break into this market and they were short on ticket sales. They had like 40% sold to this massive arena for Alice Cooper. So they put some crazy billboard together on the side of this truck. And uh, I forgot what was something Alice Cooper outrageous and broke it down in the center of London's most busiest street, practically like threw a wrench in the engine kind of situation where they could not move this truck, mm-hmm. broke it down. And the, the cover said something like the Like, this is the concert that your parents don't want you to go to, which is like typical, like rebellion, Alice Cooper style. And then they sold it out within the next like hour or two hours. It's like, how do you think outside of the box like that? Are they going to teach you that in a university? But it's like a level of like awareness and also brilliance of how to, you know, like start a conversation and actually be entertaining there's ways to growth hack it. There's ways and there's ways to get PR. There's ways to pay for it. There's ways to go around. There's ways to, to bust your ass trying to get an authorship. All these are great. All these are tactics. All these are things that we can speak about. All these things that we can teach about. But can you do it? Can you be a little ridiculous and like stick with it and know who you are and be a little outrageous in that way? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. It's and it's something to think back on. Um, and I think people forget about the power of in person publicity of like oh i gotta go global on this certain thing but if i was to go back to huntington west virginia and give away ten thousand dollars to plant ten thousand trees that's massive you know like that's not only amazing in that in and of itself that more trees the better but that is on like a marketing aspect and tribe building and community a, building and conversation building you would get over ten thousand dollars of value back from it i would rather have these thousand new like I'd rather be seen by 50,000 people in this way and have a thousand people that are always going to be like, yeah, like, like put like shout the, your name from the rooftops mm-hmm. that way, as opposed to seeing like generically by like a meme that says it's five o'clock somewhere, which is always my typical like reference yeah. by a million people, you know, it's like, totally. how do we think outside of the box this way? And social media and this online place isn't always the answer. It's like, how can we think the Richard Branson style? Well, I believe that PR? that's our challenge now. Like yes, I, I, think it is. I, I have, you know, one of the references in one of the books that I'm reading right now, I just chose to read it because you and I have just do- dove into the world of PR. So we're, we're in the process of doing, um, like, I'm in the process of getting verified on Facebook and in- Instagram. That's one of my goals this year. Why? Because I know that if I do it, the second I do it, a bunch of entrepreneurial friends are going to ask me how I did it. So you know what the answer is? You get a bunch of PR, you find a guy, and you make it happen. Now, I'll document that process. I'll go into it further. But the point is... We're in the process of, we figured out how to game the system, not cheat the system. There's a difference. Game the system is understanding how the sausage is made and then lining up all the ingredients for that to happen, right? So the memes, the, the, the culture, the Facebook group hacking, growth hacking, blah, 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 blah. We know how to do it now. But I think now that we understand that, and I think the people like Ryan Holiday who wrote Trust Me, I'm Lying, got to understand that it's when they really got that at a level of mastery and then we'll go out and do 
you know, in his case, he did something with Tucker Max where he goes and defaces a billboard and gets national media coverage from it kind of thing. This is what our career gets to become now. Mm-hmm. Like this is that's the frontier, at least from where I'm sitting. That's the frontier of what I want to do. That's what I want to do with Germ and his art. That's what I would love to do with you and, and just in, in some capacity. And to do that for brands like Impact um, Stories that you're creating, that's what I want to like create. Mm-hmm. And I even look at my own career. Most of my, most of what I was able to build an influencer marketing company and, and get contracts and do all the consulting and whatever that I do, all really comes from the fact that I did something that was fairly radical. Walking out of the GMO cornfield and planting a tree, trying to build, and then eventually building bottled, uh, 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 building out of bottles, cans, and tires as a foundation known as Earthships. Like that radical story built a, a, a brand, it built an entire thing that where I learned memes, I learned video, I learned social media management, and then that translated into so many of us in the group uh, learning those things too, and Kickstarters and blah, blah, blah. If I don't do that radical step, if I don't seek discomfort, essentially, and I don't get to the edge of my own comfort zone mixed with, I kind of, I would say the, the society's comfort zone of what is normal or what is okay and then what's just outside of that, we're seeing, we've seen an increase in outrage culture, but what we aren't talking so much about is outrage or outrageous media. Outrage culture is, is obvious, right? People are getting mad and cancel culture, all that stuff is there. But outrageous media is really what's actually happening right now. It's Trump going out and saying a bunch of crazy stuff, and then Bernie Sanders saying the exact opposite crazy stuff. And I don't want to say he's crazy. I, I like Bernie in many ways. But either way, they're polarity. They're doing something that polarizes the, and, and mobilizes these communities, and we are in a shock culture. That's why the 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 the, the um, Logan Pauls of the world are are blowing up. That's why we've seen the TikToks and all these things kind of move in in cultural space. Is that there is we are we are desensitized given the amount of content that we're seeing that now we are only responding to the things that stand out. And unfortunately, or fortunately, that is just being a little wild, doing the crazy thing, destroying something, uh, f- driving a cl- uh, Tesla off a cliff. Uh, giving being Mr. Beast and giving a hundred thousand dollars away or a million dollars away like he did recently. Yeah, it, that's just that's where we're at. It's an outrageous, it's an outrageous stunt, or it's being outrageously yourself. Mm. I think it's like a lot of the ways of like knowing what it is, which that is a superpower in and of itself. Yeah, is knowing <laughs> who you are and and sticking to that wholeheartedly. Obviously, like don't be like ignorant in a sense where you're not open to different ideas, but like share on these things and I, I still like times don't like I'm not, I'm not too vocal on social media about certain ideas and thoughts and ways that uh, w- things like different ideas and stuff that are having a positive impact on my life that I don't share out that out there first and foremost but uh, yeah to know that to share that and to be confident with that and to be open to that is uh, is very brave and also is a good way to grab limelight and also you with any limelight you're going to grab a lot of backlash and a lot of controversy so forewarned but <laughs> that is that that's just part of the that's part of the game and it does work and then it's a mental capacity of like okay this is what i actually want to talk about this is what i'm comfortable with doing 
and I'm humble enough to change my perspective or be open to that uh, or to have conversations about that if I do decide to go down that, that path of communication and, 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 and sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, do you think that that, like, where is that in your priority list right now? So for me, um, you know, looking at towards, towards what you're now building within backstories and all the things that you're creating as a, as what I would consider to be your, your growth as a media mogul, if you want to see it that way, uh, and your understanding of, of media, um, where do you think your own brand and your own voice is starting to live in that? I mean, I've seen your LinkedIn videos, but is that what you think is next priority? Is there other things that are priority for you right now? Um, like LinkedIn's definitely where I'm sharing the most as myself, mm-hmm. Garrett. I think I'm going to be more of like a, cent- a figure with an impact stories by like speaking about different pieces of it, doing parts of interviews, chopping up the videos that I'm like speaking in part of them. Mm-hmm. But 2021, like next year, and I kind of spoke about this, this year is more focused about building Impact Media, which is the agency, and then Impact Stories, which is well, just like a new kind of outlet when it comes to topics such as technology, entrepreneurs, um, movement makers, uh, mm-hmm. social, social initiatives. Um, public figures and then also like technology in the space environment all around these like impact driven businesses ideas uh yeah so focusing on that and then next year i'm going to be focused more on like okay how do i use this to speak on more stages how do i use this to um share more freely so it's not the highest priority in myself to be like super active on instagram at the moment i definitely want to and definitely looking forward to it um, and I know it's coming more organically, the less I'm paying attention to it, mm-hmm. the more that I'm like, just kind of like tapping into these other outlets and focusing more on myself and my health and wellness and all that stuff. Like the barrier of caring is just going down more and more, uh, which is interesting. So I'm writing more, sharing more on LinkedIn, we have a couple of publications that we're uh, looking to get on when it comes to writing. So yeah, it's unfolding. Um, but there's no like specific strategy quite yet on how I want to build Garrett Adkins as a brand. It's coming from, it's there's there's a lot that can be done organically and just through myself be, becoming more confident and more, um, yeah. in flow. Caring less about like the perfect. Yeah, strategy. yeah. Besides that, which is kind of the best strategy in a sense of like you know just like being authentic and, and sharing. So that's coming through pretty naturally. And then when it comes to a strategic level and how I want to use these different platforms and use these different microphones um to build that then we'll see how it goes in that that capacity but yeah thinking more in terms like the big big picture the bird's eye view the the years of Mm -hmm. of what's trying to be built right now and what i want to be a part of yeah so kind of all the place with that answer but no no i think (laughs) no i think not at all i think it's fair i think you're you're saying look i'm not i'm not over strategizing it garrett atkins as a brand is less the priority right now telling the stories of of others um, and learning that process as well as the, the, the dynamics of team management. Um, like how, how do I build a team? Who builds what? Who posts what? How does this all happen without me having the input on everything all the time? Yeah. It's a challenge. Yeah. That's, the, that's the, the challenge of scale. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's a challenge of brand building. That's a challenge of trying to balance cash flow with output, yeah. you know, and recognizing um, those, different, those differences. What I think I admire about the way you're going about it is that you're not trying to figure out how to build a funnel out of it immediately. No. no. You're just willing to make really good content and then say, 
yeah, maybe there's a way to monetize that at some point, but right now let's just focus on making the best content possible and marketing and what we're learning through this will cover itself in and of itself through yeah. running an agency and, 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 you know, hiring your, your friends, your brother in this case, uh, in some cases too, you know, that kind of stuff is, is really where it grows. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sharing, I think it's more of a, when you say that, it makes me think I'm more in like a documentation Gary V style phase where I'm just trying to like capture and understand and like just share what's actually happening, yeah. making a lot of case studies of the step-by-step -step process and just sharing freely. And then it's a matter of like, okay, how do I actually continue this community building, whether it's an email list or whether it's just like consistently popping up at people's feeds. So I am building a level of depth and more of like tribe and community and, um, a go-to source of, of communication and feedback as opposed to like, I don't really care. Like I'm not trying to make everybody my client. I don't need everybody in my client. It's not my goal in, in anything. Mm -hmm. I just want to share ideas and like, and like have a consistent flow and like a consistent platform to share the ideas that I find are interesting. Yeah. And that I hope will help other people. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've felt, um, that the more I've do, we've been into the the perfect tactic or the right tactic that would have the the most the more gamified tactics, the more it's actually impeded my own creativity for just actually being a creator because yeah. I'm consuming how to do it and then I'm testing 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 but then I feel like I'm never getting the real opportunity to return back to just like the core of creating for the sake of creating no matter how many people are watching yeah just sharing and, and I've lost I've I've taken away the like I care about how many people are watching anymore. But I've I've definitely still have elements of um, the I really want it to look like an art. Like mm. I don't care who's watching anymore. I just want it to look like like when somebody would see it that they really understood that we put time and effort and thought into all of it, and that's feeling really better. Um, but I know that the returning back to my roots and like telling the story of Valhalla again, telling telling documenting the story of like how the sausage is made. Even though I like what you're doing with the case studies, I think it's a great idea, both for business, but also for for yourself yeah. to like better celebrate your wins and understand your wins versus just like keep running on the hamster wheel, essentially. Yeah, I mean, there's in the process of postmortem when it comes to like what you've achieved and what you've done and not only the like sometimes you get kind of lost in the sauce of just acting but it's like okay how do you take time to actually strategize something act on that something not just stay in la la land and just dreamland just thinking about it and like i might do this one day but then <laughs> acting on it and then properly giving yourself a postmortem and a celebration of what you've just accomplished so yeah celebrating yourself you did that cool, celebrate yourself, go out there and grab a putin or whatever you, whatever tickles your fancy. <laughs> and then like, what's the postmortem? Like what could have done better? Like what, what was the hypothesis that we actually had? Mm -hmm. How do we improve? And then amplify your growth as a creator, as a business person and uh, grow in that way. Because if you're not actually taking the time to learn and improve and take that extra hour to two hours to just like think and mm -hmm. like look over everything. That's like years of education right there in and of itself. Otherwise, you're just going to continue to do the same thing over and over and over again until the answer magically appears or like forces itself into your head. So you need to give that, that time space so you can actually evolve through your life circumstances mm -hmm. and not make the same mistakes again or understand what went really right so you can lean into what really did work for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Words of wisdom, my friend. 
Yeah, watch out. Um, I'm curious what questions you might have for me. Yeah, I'm interested in um, Valhalla specifically. What's lining up for the the spring? Kind of tapping into, I guess, just like even like re reemphasizing on on what you see that looking like for the spring and what you're excited about specifically when it comes to that that community. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm what I'm really interested in from a community vibe is my ability to just show up and participate in the community and then how much I can drum up from there. Like the second someone is in a community and decides I'm going to be a gatherer, I'm going to beacon out that people can come and join and participate and show up on us any given Saturday, for example, at the land, and that we'll have food and pizza and and, and activities and gardening and, and eco-construction and all those things going on. That in and of itself feels really exciting. And this is the first year that I am not going, well, for the first year in a few years that I've not gone to Costa Rica, number one. Um, but it's also my, you know, I think it's like seven or eight years that I've been going and traveling in winter every year. I mean, we went to, what, Tulum, we've done Santa Barbara, we've, we've gone to Austin, Texas multiple times, Costa Rica multiple times. I mean, this is the first time that I am like, just really isolating myself um, from the rest of the world, not being isolated in the sense that there's my brother is behind the camera right now. There's you here. There's people I see people all the time, but I, but I'm in isolation from trying to over connect with everyone. Um, and I'm really looking and diving deep back into what does it look like for me to lead? And I think that 2019 uh, enabled me to learn that when I start to let others try and co-create with me is when the problems start to arise. And that actually happened in Valhalla. It also happened in Superior Academy. And it also happened uh, in our mastermind big time. The more that I am handing away the, 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 the responsibility of holding the flag and then saying, this is what we're doing and that's that, and I'm, I determine that, and then everyone who's really in, in line with that, let's just participate in that and we'll all lift this flag together. Uh, the worse that I've had the results. And the more that I hold that beacon, the more powerful the result has been. And I don't think that's because of who I am or that I'm particularly special. I think I'm just a stubborn motherfucker. I'm just a, I'm just a stubborn guy who's willing to just stick it through because I didn't, I didn't expect the short-term payout. I, I went into Valhalla thinking that in 10 years this might be the thing and i i thought that we would end up getting the champlain bridge and a train station and an exit and all that stuff in only about 10 years time from when we started now we're about to start season eight of this 66 acre eco village building a school all this stuff and and we are already seeing many of those components play out um so we're a little further behind in terms of the building of the first uh, uh, building. And that's what 2020 is about for me. Um, but I believe that I'm stepping into that investor role and that leader role in that space where I'm just going to dictate more. And as Stephen Brooks would say, who runs many eco villages and started many communities and successful ones that have run, you know, run for 25 years or whatever it is, 24, 25 years, uh, Punta Mona, for example, um, begin building a benevolent dictatorship of sorts. It's like, you can do what you want to do, 
But if I'm going to bring the resources, this is what the way I'm going to spin them. This is the way I'm going to work this to build this movement. And to me, the movement is a return back to the land because none, nobody I know, very few people I know, I don't want to say nobody, but very few people I know can afford buying a house. Very few people I know have savings when it comes to my age group. I meet older people. It's another story. Speak to my parents or whatever it is. It's a different generation, a different reality. But the incredibly, uh, the, the, the incredibly inflated housing prices are, are just becoming cost prohibitive for people to get into this market. And I don't know of a 25-year-old who's like, you know what? Let me take $500,000 of debt to buy a tractor and another tractor and start my farm business that might go up and down, that might have a bad season or climate change might ruin and have a wildfire or something that destroys everything and you have no security on. I just don't see that happening. And so how do we make that happen? How do we engineer conditions that provide for the planet, for the people who are going to take that risk and join that community, and then also enrich um, future generations to participate in that? So I, I will always say this, Valhalla is the most important work I've ever done. It's, it still is. Um, it's a brand that myself and many others worked to build and we kind of let go for two years, I would say, in terms of at least the brand side of it, and now is going to come back in full force. So um, on Superhero Academy's front, I think I'm just gonna talk about storytelling. I'm gonna show how the sausage is made for free on YouTube videos and making more content like this. Um, but on Valhalla's front, I'm going to document the journey of what it takes to build an eco-village. And I think that's just going to be... I just don't know anybody else who's doing it. I just really don't. And that's kind of crazy to think. Like, there's very few people showing us how to build a real estate development. There's very Like, even if it wasn't an eco-village, there's not that much content on this. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of content on, like, how to channel your sexuality or there's a ton of content on like how to tap into linkedin you know what i mean and and, and have a uh, autopilot sales system and get a thousand leads or how to find your first ten thousand instagram followers fuck ton of content like that but content about like real stuff like real finance and real um like how to get a mortgage or how to figure out how to become a farmer and then apply and build a kitchen and build a house like this this doesn't exist yeah and those who do make it exist will win big time if even if you look at somebody um one of our colleagues i guess in the space tyler harris he mm -hmm. he runs a couple pages and i'm not sure how much you know about like his actual business and what he does besides that but i think he does like life insurance or, or something and he's like just he vlogged for the past like three years or something like that is massive in this industry mm. he just saw it from the industry that he was already in and he's like dominating in that field and also is like dominating in other ways like he's big when it comes to business finance all these different things but his like what it was built on and he amassed this huge network of people being known while he was vlogging and documenting and doing his daily lives as he was jumping from town to town to town doing this this life insurance deals it's interesting What's the first plant that you're going to, or what's the first tree you're going to plant, fruit tree you're going to plant this year? Uh, we're definitely planting thousands of blueberry bushes, strawberry bushes, and raspberry bushes. That's for sure. We're going to more than double or triple our garlic production. Um, and I will definitely plant a lot of fruit trees as well. 
most likely pears, plums, apples. Um, yeah, pears, plums, apples, cherry trees probably as well will be the, the four staples. And eventually I'd like to uh, end up doing some vineyard stuff, but that's in some time. For now, it's really like from a project perspective, the goal is to establish the first house, really get the first five acre piece functioning as a homestead, like a, a, a real farm, but it's the, the foundation of a co-op of farms where many people could, many families could own a house, but also have a farm. And whether they directly themselves are farming it or they are just uh, allowing that land to be farmed as part of the co-op and sharing in the profits of the farm as a whole, um, that's going to be a game changer. And then when people buy the land, rather than just here, buy the land, and then the person who sold you it got put the money in their pocket and none, none of it went into the ecosystem. And when I mean ecosystem, I mean not, not the financial ecosystem. I mean the physical ecosystem, the, the planet ecosystem. Uh, that's where I radically plan on shifting things. It's like, yes, the person who owns the land will get their cut. And here's the investment we're going to now make into the soil of that property. Like, like adding in compost teas and compost itself and, and – uh, regenerating the earth, making it, making garden beds that can start producing, uh, installing greenhouses or upgrading for each lot that's sold the equipment and the greenhouses that are there for the entire farm. So there's, um, I just have a hypothesis around how I can go about it. And I'm looking, I'm studying the Elon Musks of the world, not because of what they're doing in their specific market, even though I will look at that too, more for more so about how they are approaching disruption than um, and how I can approach disruption from this perspective. Uh, and I see very little disruptors when I look out into the world. Mr. Beast is a disruptor on YouTube, for example, huge disruptor. Casey Neistat was kind of a disruptor, but I think he built that on the back of other vloggers like BF versus GF and uh, CTFFC or whatever it was his name was. Uh, the guy who had he had a brain tumor and literally vlogged it. It was incredible. He had brain surgery and vlogged it. Uh, unbelievable. Because um, he, he had the most consistent vlog. He had not, had not stopped vlogging for like seven years or eight years or something. Like that. So he was like the pioneer of that genre. But then Casey took that and made it way more uh, watchable. And just he, he added what I would consider to be cinematography to it and storytelling to it in a way that was better. Um, so there are very few disruptors. And I am spent a lot of time researching those disruptors. Um, and, and now I'm in the phase of, of mobilizing that into the smallest of scales. Uh, and so this podcast is a part of it. Vlogs around Valhalla are going to be a part of it. And we'll see what we can get going on um, on some other fronts. But I've got some good plans to, to double down. And rather than focusing on like the big web that I think Valhalla was successful at in its original um, birth, I'm going to focus on like how do we scale like very, very powerful thousand true fans in Montreal alone. Yeah, you should get on some radio shows and some different mm -hmm. different faces around town around here is exactly what I was going to recommend. Yeah, we we had we had done that. I know you've been on, I know you've been on radio shows. I yeah. actually listened to it whenever. I mean, I saw the YouTube video. That's but the whole point. I think that's and we vlogged that too. Yeah, it's a smart, smart idea. I think it is to better go deep and not like I was saying earlier. There's more than just the virtual space. Like, Absolutely. how do you like 
break down a big tree or put plant a big tree right in the center of the concrete out in the, out in front of uh, the, the, the 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 cathedral out there. So there are stunts that I <laughs> yeah. have. Yeah, how do, there, hold, how do you hold a tree for twenty four hours in I front am, of the cathedral? I am very inspired by Mr. Beast and his ability to bust a stunt uh that in the end gets a lot of people talking about a topic yeah and he, i mean at the end of the day a guy got 20 million trees planted so that's incredible mm -hmm. that's on my impossible list to plant a million trees so it's like okay great he did that how do i spin how do i use what i've learned in media to now bring it back to the physical world and that's like for me it is a return to that land i am I can't. I do not want to post on social media. I, I can't stand social media anymore. Really, I, it's not my highest excitement. I I do like informative content. I do love YouTube, and I do plan on doing a lot more of it. And I'm already accelerating that. There's tons of clips coming out for from this very episode and episodes before it. Um, but I know now that I'm. I just have that responsibility and I get to play that game and more now more than ever, I have the resources and the opportunity and the know, knowledge, um, but most importantly, the community and the support to do that. Love it. Yeah. We could jam on this. Um, definitely think you should get outside of uh, Notre Dame or Notre Dame, however you say it, and give away a thousand, thousand apples, a thousand trees and oh. li do live of it and then plant a little note to the uh, local news stations to come on through. That's a fun little project. Well, we're, we're doing food for free this year yep. at Valhalla. So yep. all the people live, who come to the live land. stream, the whole thing. And exactly. We're literally giving food away for free. We're going to, I'm, I think that that's, that's exactly it. So how do I take Valhalla and go away from my, my danger is that over time I entered into preacher mode versus into fun mode. Mm -hmm. And when we were making fun, exciting content is when Valhalla did the best. And when we were exploring and learning, that's when we did the best. And when I started preaching and teaching, uh, because I thought that that was the way that we can help fund Valhalla, because I've seen so many eco-villages uh, literally fund themselves through education, is when I kind of fell off the wagon of what this really meant. And I basically fell down the same rabbit hole that essentially like vegans are, are christened for, where they're like... It's plant-based now. Sure. Plant-based, whatever it is, right? Like the, when somebody says you have to do this, we had, and to, you're we had to change the whole. We had to change the whole lingo. <laughs> Fine, there you go, right? So the the fact that 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 kind of negative reputation formed around the way that even we talk about climate change, we talk about some of these societal problems um, that needed to that had to happen, and I didn't realize how I was participating in it, but now I do, and so yeah prepare for my understanding of thumbnails, headlines, content, shock, outrageous media culture, uh, all in the name of building a movement. And, and that movement just being focused on Montreal as much as possible. And I, I would love to continue driving the world. I know I will. Um, but this is not the season for that for me. 2020, baby. Bam. Anything else you want to say? What should people go check out other than Impact Media and check out all the links in the description? You know where they are. Can't say it better than myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shoot me a message. I respond to everybody. I'm hanging out always. Boom. We'll see you in the next episode, ladies and gentlemen. Bam. Peace.